I'm Nick. I am the missions and worship pastor here at Mercy Hill Church. Uh, pastor Mike, if you're n- joining us for, for the first time, uh, Pastor Mike is normally our teaching pastor here, is our lead teaching pastor, and he's out with the student pastor celebrating the graduating class of 2021 on their senior trip. So um, be in prayer for them. They're actually traveling back right now, listening online. So everybody say, hey. I don't know if they can hear you. They can only hear me. But, you know, uh, if you're joining us online as well, we, we're so thankful that you're, you're tuning in. Um, this morning we're going to be, again, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. So if you, if you have your Bible, we're going to jump right in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18, 18 through 21. And uh, again, such a high honor to be able to come and share the word uh, with you all this morning. Um, in today's culture, we have, for the last year, we've heard more about uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. What do you do? Uh, where do you go? Six feet apart, three feet apart, 10 feet apart, no school, yes school, high school, online school. It's been crazy. Uh, and, and it's been one of those years where um, I think the, this, this virus has gone viral, literally, uh, <laughs> online. And um, we, we, we have such a means to communication. Um, but this virus, this plague that we've, we've experienced so far in, in, in this time of our lives um, is actually on the low end of the severity of different plagues that have happened within our, our uh, history of humanity. Um, back in the 1300s, there was a Mongolian army that, that they, they were ruling and reigning and they were conquering different places. And the Mongolians had a, a odd way of trying to conquer. Uh, they would use spears. They would use uh, man-made bombs. They would do all these crazy things. So in the 1300s, they, they got an idea to take uh, dead bodies that were riddled with fleas and rats um, that had actually contracted a, a, a virus of itself. They would use these bodies to conquer different nations. And so in our, in our, in our modern Ukraine, uh, there was a battle against the Mongolians, and, and, and they call it the cafe and the crema. Not the coffee and the crema, like some of you guys are drinking and didn't read the sign of no drinking in here. I'm just kidding. Drink, drink away. Pastor Mike's not here. Drink away. But, um, but it, it, so the battle on the coffee and the crema um, happened, and the Mongolian army took uh, these dead bodies, and they would catapult them over these city walls that they had built up. Uh, these, these walls were fortified, but they weren't protected from uh, these things, so these, these dead bodies would fling over, and the people would do what they do. They would clean them up. But what would happen in that process, the Mongolian army, they were so patient, they waited until uh, these people began to get sick. What was happening is that they were contracting what we would know as now as the bubonic plague, and they, they, they fled in fear. So they didn't quarantine. They said, bye. They left. They left, and they fled to our current country that we call Italy. And in Italy, um, this virus, this plague spread like wildfire. And over three years, a third to half of the population of the country of Europe, not just Ukraine, not just Italy, but the whole country of Europe, millions of people uh, died from what we would now call the Black Death. Um, In this Black Death, there there was so much devastation um, that it actually sent different Christian missionaries that had been there away. And 300 years later, there was a guy by the name of Ralph Vinning, and he penned these words uh, to other missionaries, other believers, as they're kind of wrestling with what just happened in, in the previous 100 years. And he says this, he says, there's a plague that is more widespread and deadly than all others combined. He continues to go on and he says this, he says, this is the plague of all plagues. This plague just doesn't affect Every, every person, um, by chance, it, it affects everybody, and it's 100% fatal. Unlike other plagues, it doesn't just cause a physical death, but it causes a spiritual and eternal death as well. 
And this is what we would know uh, the plague to be sin. This plague that is more widespread and deadly than any other thing and, and, and should cause our hearts to be fearful of, of, of contracting it. Just kidding. We all are infected with this plague. 100% fatal, 100% deadly. And so understanding this reality of sin and starting off on a really encouraging note. We're all sinners, yeah. Uh, it's an encouraging note. We have to realize what happened last weekend in our history of, of Christian worship, right? We have a resurrected Savior, amen? amen? We have a risen Savior. He is risen, and he is still, uh, he's still alive and well. But we also have to know we have a reconciling Savior. He's risen, and he's also reconciling. So this morning, we're going to try to understand um, how do sinners be reconciled with God? How can we shake this plague of sin that we, every person sitting in this seat under the sound of my voice, is infected with? So the first question we're going to try to answer um, from a 10,000-foot view is what caused the need for reconciliation? And then lastly, who needs reconciliation? So this morning we're going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. Um, we're going to come back to the scripture a lot this morning. So um, let's read it together one more time. It says this, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled to us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ, God, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What beautiful truth. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, and for our sake he made him sin to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When we, when we approach the Word of God, when you hear the Word of God, whether it's from a, a TV evangelist or uh, even me this morning or a, a worship song that may have some, some spiritual, scriptural nuances in it, we always want to make sure we understand the context of what we're, what we're diving into. Uh, one of my Bible teachers, he said, you know, context always determines the meaning, right? Um, and so when, when, I, when we moved here, somebody was very kind, and, and I have a love language of words, gifts, money, Chick-fil-A, and um, a few other things, but... My love, one of my love languages is gifts, and, and, and if the gift has words on it, that's, like, really good. So somebody uh, gave me a cup, and it, on the cup it said, be still, know that I'm God. And you're all like, ah. Oh. So as I'm sitting on my couch, lean back, snuggled with a blankie, got my coffee and the crema, right? I'm, I'm sipping, I'm like, oh, be still, know that I'm God. And so there's that moment. It's like, it's like the romantic side of, like, Christianity that you see on, online. You're like, oh, they must really love God because look at them with their coffee and their creamer. And little, little do they know is that um, Sesame Street is actually in the background as my worship music because my kids are going crazy. And I want to have some time with God, but, um, which is still quiet time, heads up. But I, I, re I read that, and, and I was like, okay, be still know that I'm God. And I was reading through um, just some, some misguided, like, T-shirts. And I was going to use, because the seniors are out, and I was going to, you know, say, like, Jeremiah 2911, that's actually about death, you know. But I'll give you a lot light, harder one. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. And I think, I think what happens sometimes is that there's this truth in that, right? We can be still and know that he's God. But a lot of times when we come to this, the text of Scripture, we have it on T-shirts, we have it on coffee cups, we have it on Instagram posts, Facebook posts, tweets. For some of you young, young guys that, that are young gals that take selfies, you say, I am made in his image. Yes, you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. But you're also not righteous and you need Christ, but we'll get there in that next time. But when it comes to the scripture, we, we see the following part of that. 
in, in its entirety, it says, be still and know that I'm God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. So a travesty that happens is that we just, we place verses on different objects as, as signs of faith, and that's really, really encouraging. But to know to be still, and also to know that he will be exalted among the nations, it's not a passive sitting around drinking a, a cup of coffee with creamer in it. It's knowing that you can be still in his sovereign working, and his sovereign rule, and his sovereign reign, that he will be exalted among the nations. And we get to, as his people, have an invitation to share the hope and the gospel. So yes, be still in your heart and know that he is God and he, and he, he draws near to you and all those things. But don't just stay there. Be motivated to be a part of the exaltation of him. And for me, that makes that scripture come to life in a way that I'm like, Lord, that's good. That's better than my cup of coffee. That's, that's lost souls coming to know Christ, and he will be exalted. So let's never sell ourselves short when we're in our studies. And so that's, that's a side note. That's free for, for today. Um, again, love language money. So um, keep, it, keep it on going. Um, in, in, in the context that we're going to be today, uh, we see Paul. Uh, at once Saul, he was a persecutor of Christians. He actually held the coat of those that were stoning other believers um, and, and jest and in game and would laugh. He was educated. He was well-respected within the religious community. He was, he was a, a, a ling linguistic. He, he, could, he could speak many languages. He was intelligent, and he had all the riches in this world. But until one day, this man on, on the road in Damascus was knocked off, met by Christ, baptized into the gospel ministry, changed for the good, and began to, to go on mission. And so we're in the middle of his mission uh, letters as he went to, uh, to, to, to plant churches in Ephesus and Colossae and, and Corinth. And, and so we're in Corinth right now. And what would happen is that he would write these letters and they would be read aloud, like people gathering together, sitting down and, and, and reading the, the scripture together. So he reads to a culture that is saturated with paganism, saturated with self-idolatry, self-exaltation. Um, sounds like a little bit of like America, you know, but, you know, we, we have this, 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 this missionary riding back to his people in chains and saying these things. All this is from God. And he was reminding the Corinth believers, just as us today, that they've been reconciled or that they could be reconciled. See, this church wasn't just a be still and know that he is God church. They were a be still and know that he is God and he will be exalted among the what? The nations. So Paul, in, in, in encouraging the believers from the scriptures before, they knew that they were going to have other people from different backgrounds, different religions coming in. And he says, I, I entrust this gospel message to you. And I implore you to be reconciled. So he exp explains reconciliation. And for those that, are, that were listening at that time, he says, I encourage you, I challenge you, be reconciled with God. So what an encouragement that we have today to speak on behalf of those that are in the faith and those that might be wondering about what this whole God Christianity thing is here today. Um, let's continue on in the scripture. Everything God does and says is intentional. Every word of scripture is on purpose, for its purpose, in its placement. Therefore, we must be careful when we come to the word of God. We read this. All this is from God. Second Corinthians 5, 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting um, us the message of reconciliation. And this is the rule we go back into from uh, Mr. Ralph Vinning himself. 
This plague that riddled our hearts called sin made us trespassers against God, being glory thieves, taking coats of self-exaltation and and, and self-preservation, placing them on us and being marred and, and labeled with sin, the very thing that cannot be in the presence of a holy God, but Jesus. But Jesus was sent to reconcile the world to himself. Um, Some other words that take the meaning of reconciliation are reuniting, rectifying. Elements of this is is love and healing and repairing. So we have to know that the original state of man has been damaged. And last weekend, as I just said, we celebrated the resurrected, reconciling Savior who made a way for God and man to be reunited. God penned the true recipe for reconciliation. So what happens when a, when a relationship is reconciled here on earth? How, how does that play out? Because you're like, okay, I get God, you know, me. But what about like my, my, my greasy, greasy grandmother that, you know, we don't talk anymore? Well, I speak from a life experience. And um, so I had a friend of mine. Um, he was at my wedding. We were roommates in college. I mean, decade-long friends. Like, people, like he, he was like a brother to me. Uh, we were in this group together, the Wolf Pack. Woo, woo, go Wolf Pack. And so me, him, uh, Jordan that just led, and another guy, we were in, in this group. So four of us. And um, out of the blue, in my mind, uh, he, what the young fellas and ladies call, ghosted me. <gasps> now, go, Megan, Megan's laughing. She's like, I know what ghosting is. Go, ghosting is when basically... Um, Somebody stops texting you. They delete you off social media. Um, and and for, for those that may be a little more seasoned in life, they no longer send you Christmas cards. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did, you know, Martha ain't sent me one this year. You probably got ghosted. Just go back. But um, so, so uh, th- these things happen. And so and, and, and there's, a, there's a TV show. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying go watch it. Um, but it's, it's called Ghosted. And there's, there's the, the two producers. So you have the two producers going and, and trying to find the ghost. Well, the person that calls the producers, they're called the haunted. Oh, really original. So you have the haunted, you have the ghost, and then the two, two producers that come in and try to figure out why is this relationship broken? And so um, let's just, you know, give Jack and Jill, okay? So Jill goes to Jack, and the producers are sitting there, and the, the lights go really, really, really low. They go really low, and, and the music goes, Wait, you got the sound effect back there? I'm just kidding. And so the producer's like, so Jill, why did you ghost Jack? And Jill, you know, Jack's crying like a baby, and Jill's sitting there upset. And she goes, it's because I'm in love with your brother. And, you know, it's this whole, like, really crazy. He's like, oh, my gosh, your brother. But, like, it's these really bogus reasons of, like, why they stop talking to each other. Well, I was ghosted by one of my friends. And it seemed really weird. So uh, about a year and a half ago, I had the opportunity to go to Nashville and do some recording. It was really cool. Um, but in Nashville, there's a place, and some of you guys are like going to be salivating when I say this. There's a place called Hattie B's Hot Chicken. Yeah, Hattie B's is where it's at. It's like the, it's better than Chick-fil-A. Lord bless me. Um, it's, it's better. It's, uh, what, what, not to, it's better than Zaxby's. If you're out the West, it's better than Cane's. I mean, it's Hattie B's hot chicken. And you wait in line. I mean, and you want to for like an hour to eat this hot chicken. So um, my wife and I, we, we, we were in line and getting the hot chicken. And it was like so good. And um, 
I, I took a picture of it on and put it on social media because that's what you do with food nowadays. I, I'm sure that more seasoned people are like, why did you post that picture? Because it, it was good. Um, and so posted that, and then I get a response with, with the, the, the angry emoji face. And I'm like, you didn't like my hot chicken? But here's what happened. My friend lives near Nashville, and I hadn't seen him in like, you know, five, six years. And I told him before, um, hey, when I come to Nashville, I want to be able to see you. And, and I just totally forgot. I just totally forgot. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and, and so the two producers sit me and my friend down. I wasn't on a TV show. It was just figuratively on FaceTime. And they're like, so T, his name's T. T, why did you go snick? He didn't let me get a hot chicken with him. Like, I was like, this man just didn't talk to me for a year because of hot chicken? So, so small in my mind, right? So crazy. But then we come to find out, you know, there were some promises that were broken because I'm sinful. But what happened was I didn't realize I had done him wrong. I didn't realize that I, I had did anything wrong. I was just living my life, you know, doing the music thing, being cool, posting pictures, doing a little angel wings in Nashville. Like, it was, it was a thing. But all the while, I had a friend that was sitting there saying, like, you made a promise to come see me, to, to, to hang out. And it was one of those things that I had to come back to him. And, and as, as, as crazy as it sounds, because I'm like, it sounds more like a relationship than friendship. It's weird because I'm, I'm married with, a kid, with kids and a job. Like, why, why does this matter so much to him? Like, this is so weird. But I had done him wrong. And so I, I said, man, I, I'm sorry for that. Like, it, you know, I didn't realize, you know, it was that big of a deal to not get hot fried chicken with you, but it is to you. And I'm sorry for that. And, uh, I, I, man, I want our relationship to be restored and, and you know, and to hang out and do life, do life again. And it was just like God to remind me in, in a little simple, crazy way that our brokenness is what causes the disrupt in relationship with God. We see God initiates and applies reconciliation. And we can't even begin to see our own wrongdoings until the Spirit of God calls us out by his word, by the proclamation of the gospel, and shares us that we have wronged God. We're like, man, it was just a lie. It, it, was, it was just this. Like, it, was, it didn't hurt anybody. It didn't affect anybody. And in, and in my instance, it, it was just hot chicken. Like, really? You're offended and, and upset about that? And when, when we go back into the, the spiritual application of it, we see that we don't know until we know our sinfulness is what keeps us from God. We have to turn and recognize that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, and our relationship with God has been tainted and disfigured by sin. And this desire for this relationship to go back to how it originally was intended can never be fixed on our own works. Even when we attempt. As humans, when we do this on our own, um, it fleshes out in ways that can be seen by religious works. Yeah, I'm going to go build that. I'm going to go serve this. I'm going to go give that. I'm going to go attend every day. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop chewing. I'm going to stop doing these things. I'm going to stop all these things. It's religious works. Because if we act good enough, if we give good enough, if we keep all the laws of God, then we must be made right, right? Wrong. I had to be called out. The scripture actually says um, a good friend will, will give you words that wound you. 
And how much of a better friend than Jesus is to sinners that he's willing to say, hey, your sin and your debt is going to destroy you eternally if you do not repent and turn from these things. To be reconciled unto me, to be, to be loved unto me. And it was never, my relationship with my, with my buddy was never going to get better until I realized, man, I, I needed reconciliation. Reconciliation, as we see here, flows out of the heart of God and then is implanted into the hearts of those he reconciles. So we go back to the context here. Paul knew that this culture that was, was infested with pagan worship, prostitute worship, it, it was crazy that he would say, hey, be reconciled. And not only that, in your reconciliation, know that you are an ambassador. So if we just say, yeah, just be reconciled, be good, be good with God, that can make us feel really good. It's like, okay, good, I'm good with God. But he continues on and he says this. You are now an ambassador. The God of the universe, perfect and holy, takes marred, mirrored, and damaged sinners like us and allows us to be ambassadors. So when we read the fullness of the text here, we see that God doesn't leave us at reconciliation. For us to just spin on this earth and do our daily day-to-day. He says, no, no, no. Now take that message of reconciliation and spread it wherever you are, whether it's across the sea, across the table, across the road. Take it and apply it. As he was encouraging these believers, you're ambassadors in this pagan, dark, sin-filled world. I mean, sin is becoming so much more apparent to our culture than ever before. And now we get to be ambassadors of reconciliation to tell people the truth in love, the truth without fear, because we have been marked and marred by that of Christ. We're no longer sinners. We're now ambassadors. So who needs the reconciliation? Who needs reconciliation? We read this in in, in, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him to be sin. We needed, need reconciliation. The unrighteous, there is no one righteous, no, not one. Every good work, deed, gift, song, dance you've done is not good apart from Christ. Everyone sitting in this room, Everyone watching online, we see this truth here that we can do nothing to sacrifice for our own sin. The only one who knew no sin but was tempted in every way had to come and be the perfect sacrifice for the plague that is again 100% deadly to every person sitting in this room. And there have been many scholars, I love, I love listening to different things when it comes to people with their worldviews and their thought processes. And I love listening to people that are antithetical, meaning against the gospel. And I, and I heard this, this, this conversation happen. They said, well, here, right here, um, for he made him to be sin. He made Jesus to be sinful. So therefore, your Easter is gone, your Christmas is gone. And it's like, okay, we have to dig a little bit. Because the English translation, when we, when we look at the translation, we have to not just say, okay, that's what it says. Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, that, he made him sin. He's sinful. God, Jesus, it is, it's all gone. There's, there's a phrase that I heard one time that nothing good in this life is ever easy, right? So when we, when we look into the word of God, whether it's in your personal quiet times or your, your time teaching small groups or leading your kids through Bible study, whatever it is, the, the dig is worth it. The investment in the word of God is worth it because we see here, actually, it's such a more beautiful meaning than just to be. 
The Greek actually says it, it's, it's, it's to defer as a substitute for. We would call that atoning for, a substi- substitution and atonement for. He, he deferred our sin on himself, and Christ was not made a sinner, nor was he punished for his sin. And said the Father treated him as if he were a sinner, charging to his account, Christ's account, the sin of everyone who would ever believe in the completed work of Jesus Christ. And the dying on the cross for our sins, he did not become evil like we are, nor do redeemed sinners become perfect little gods. There are some religious uh, 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 sects of Christianity that believe that we become gods when we die. This isn't Olympus. We become Christ-like, and we become perfect in him, but we are still in the fallenness of this world. God credited to our sins, or to, to uh, credit our sin to Christ's account for his righteousness. This is good news. Say that again. This is really empowering, encouraging, should stir your heart to leap in joy and, and, and charge hell with a water pistol news. That your wrongdoings, your sin debt that you were born into, they are paid by Christ. We see what reconciliation gives us through Christ. Righteousness. Because Jesus paid this penalty in full, our sin, our past, our present, our future, our nightly, our daily sin against God is paid in full. Psalm 32 says this in, in such a beautiful way. Uh, verse 1, it says this. It says, How blessed is he whose transgressions and trespasses are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Jesus gives us the blessing of being blessed by the covering of sin. And we get to receive forgiveness that only can be given by Christ. Yeah, me and my, me and my boy, we, we were, we're good now, and we reconciled. And we'll continue to fail each other. But in God, in our confession, and our turning from the things that we love so much that are so temporarily satisfying that we have to go to every single day, every, every thought is led by that, we get to go to God. And our, and our original relationship with him is, 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 is pure We are forgiven and free from the sin that entangles us so much, as the scripture says. And the great judge charges us not with the shame of sin, but the showered love of new life. Believer, if you are shameful for the sin that you've committed, come to Christ and know that he is the God of forgiveness in full. Not just partway, not just halfway, in full. Be free from that. So therefore you can be an ambassador. We would know in the wake of Adam's fall that all men were born into iniquity. David would say that he was brought forth into iniquity, that we were born into a plague that, again, that's inevitable. But the good news of the gospel is that there's a cure that's better than a vaccine, a vitamin D3 pill, time in the sun, vitamin C. We have Christ. God in his mercy and love provided us a remedy for this sin. Revelation 1.5 says that we are released from our sins by his blood, 
Hebrews would, would declare, but by one born, he has released us from our sin by his bloodline. That's a blood transfusion I'm about. And apart from God, and apart from God, we are destined to a reality separated from him. We have to know, as, as Paul says here, you've heard what reconciliation is. You, you, you're hearing right now, and you have a choice on how to respond. And as Paul was writing, and he says, I implore you, I challenge you, I beg you, be reconciled unto God. He's the life giver. Everything in this world will fall short, point blank, period. The grass weathers and it fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. There was a quote um, here. It says, the gospel makes the things of this world that were once so sweet and delectable, the gospel makes it bitter and unbearable. And the things of the spirit that were once detestable and undesirable and even sickening to our sinful hearts, God makes them pure and lovely. Pure and lovely. Christ follower, believer in Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to remember your reconciliation. Remember your reconciliation, but don't let it just stay there. Remember that you have been called to be an ambassador. You've been called to be an ambassador on behalf of the greatest king that has ever lived and is still living, and that's Jesus. And for those that are curious about faith or, or on this faith journey or just trying to figure out what in the world is this God thing, be reconciled unto God. He is faithful to meet you exactly where you are and so faithful to not even leave you there, to continue to take you on his mission, to create in you, as, 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 Corinthians, would say, or, uh, as Corinthians would say, a clean heart, a new life, a desire to want to wanna live for him because the only way to turn from your way of living is in that of Christ. Allow God's reconciling power to be so real in your life this morning. So real in your life this morning. I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we know that it is just by your grace and mercy and, uh, and, and, and by the power of your spirit that draws men unto you, God. And I ask as we respond to your, your word, God, that you would rem help us remember as believers that we've been saved not by anything that we have done, but that of the pureness of your grace and the richness of your mercy. God, and allow us to be bold, to be ambassadors, not letting shame take root, not letting fear take a hold of our hearts, God, but you would encourage us to be on mission in our lives. You are a lovely, holy, righteous God. Thank you for drawing men unto you and, and, and bringing, God, not, not what once was bad, good, but as your word says, what was dead to life through Christ. May we respond this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me this morning as we worship.
The altar is open. You can come and pray. I, I can talk with you. You can pray in your seat. There's nothing special about this place. It's, it's a God that, that meets you right where you're at. So let's respond this morning. Amen, amen. What a beautiful time together in worship and the word this morning. I want to encourage you to join us again next week. Uh, Pastor Mike will be back and we'll continue on through the book of Luke. I've been loving this series. It's been so challenging, encouraging. Um, again, if you have any interest in ushering or first impressions, please stop by the orange wall. If you're a first time guest, uh, fill out a, a connection card. We'd love to connect with you and get you plugged in and you can get a free gift. Gifts, love language, go get one out of the orange wall. Um, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll be dismissed. I hope you guys have a great, great week. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you again for your word. God, I, I ask as, as we've read your word this morning that you allow us to respond to it. God, help us remember reconciliation. Empower us to be ambassadors for the glory and fame of Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys be blessed. Thank you all so much.